Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you with us as we continue our series at the movies where we look to see where we can find faith in film. Today, as we look at scenes from the movie Frozen, lead pastor David Fossil gives us some pointers for our daily relationships as we hear a message titled, Melting a Frozen Heart. Listen as Pastor Dave guides us through some quotations from the movie and lays out some ideas and principles to make sure we don't get frozen up. Okay, uh, a couple quick things um, about that. Uh, uh, a little hurtful to me that you guys would laugh at that last line about not listening. I'm very sensitive about that. But the other thing, more seriously, this past week at staff meeting when I said, you know, instead of the sermon bumper, maybe we could do a parody on on, on this, on Frozen and everything. And, and I was surprised how our youth pastor, uh, Dave Sowers, said, oh, I would love to. I love wearing wigs and women's clothing. And that time took me aback. So um, I just want you to know, as a senior pastor, I will be following up on that and probably giving him another year probation. Um, so uh, if you're just joining us, we're in this series called At the Movies, and uh, uh, where, we're, where we're using films to kind of use as a trampoline to, to discuss faith and biblical principles. Last week we looked at Unbroken, and I think that's up online on our Vimeo account already, if you want to check that out. Next week is our Christmas movie, and today we're talking about Frozen, Okay. And uh, we're going to discuss it. You know, I don't know if you know this. Frozen is the number one animated movie um, of all time. But here's the more interesting thing. It's the number four highest grossing movie worldwide of all time. So it is crossing cultures and is crossing continents. It's not just young kids that, that want to look at this movie. It seems like all ages are enjoying it. How many of you have watched the movie Frozen? Okay. How many of you have young kids and you've watched it a thousand times and you can sing, you hear the songs in your dreams, right? It's just over and over and over again. Here's what we're going to do. Um, the way we're going to organize this morning is we're going to look at a couple quotes uh, and, and then give you a, a life principle, a biblical principle to make sure your life doesn't get frozen up, okay? Um, but to start, I'm gonna. Uh, there's so many good quotes in this film. Uh, I'm gonna share share with you the ones that I'm not gonna use. Okay, uh, to just get those out of the way real quickly. Uh, some people are worth melting for. That's pretty cute, isn't it? Right? The value of people, and there's there, we could take this really far and, and self sacrifice for people. Now the the flip side of this is this next one: reindeers are better than people. Do you, do, you, do you know that to be true? You have some difficult people in your life. We could talk about that and how to handle difficult people in our life. Here's another quote we're not going to talk about. Everyone is a bit of a fixer-upper. Go ahead and look at the person next to you. And go ahead and let them know you're a little bit of a fixer-upper, you know. Some of us are more than others. Uh, but we could jump in Philippians where he talks about having not bet yet completed who Christ has made him to be, but we're not going to talk about that. Here's another one we're not going to talk about. I'm Olaf and I like warm hugs. <laughs> Coming from a snowman, I think that's pretty cute. And we, we could have talked about encouragement. And for sure, here's one we're not going to talk about. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Uh, again, I could jump in Philippians where Paul says I'm looking, not looking in the past, but looking forward. So um, if you do grab your sermon notes, what we're going to do is we're going to look at one quote and then give you one life principle. The first quote comes from this first clip. Let's watch it, and then we'll talk. Frozen is the story of two sisters, Elsa and Anna, and the eldest, Elsa, has a strength. She has an ability. She has a power 
to create snow and to create ice, but she, she can't always control it. And so at times, this power, this ability hurts others. And in this case, she hurts uh, her little sister. And so the parents, the queen and the king, um, they're trying to help their youngest daughter who's been hurt. And so they do what any good parent does when Kaiser's not around. You take your kid to trolls, right? And see, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? And so they help the little girl. But then there's this quote that I want, I, I want to zero in on with you because we're going to get our first principle from it. The, the troll says to, to Elsa, the one with, with the strength and with the ability, he says, your power will only grow. There is beauty in it, but there's also great danger. You must learn to control it. Now, here's, here's the first principle. The first principle, write this down, is you need to learn to avoid extremes. Avoid extremes. Every single one of us has certain spiritual gifts that God has given us. But if you take your spiritual gift to an extreme, out of bounds, it's going to create problems in your life. Every single one of us has personality strengths. But if you take your personality strength and allow it to go to the extreme, it's going to create problems for you and everybody that surrounds you. Every one of us has blessings from God and good things in our life. But if you take those blessings and good things to an extreme, it's going to create problems in your life. Some of you know that when I'm studying... Um, and trying to illustrate a principle, I'll Google a word and see what images come up. And it's very interesting what comes up. And I Googled the word extreme. And, and here's what's came up. Three things. A band called extreme. I, don't, I, I must not be cool enough because I haven't listened to them. Um, extreme pizza, right? Because they are way out of bounds when it comes to pizza. I don't know. There's one in Pinot. And then the main one was extreme sports. Those are the three things that come up. Extreme sports. Very exciting but also very dangerous. And then I remembered 20 years ago, sitting in a seminary class with my, my theology professor, and, and he put the following quote up on the overhead projector. Those of you who are under 15, you're like, what is an overhead projector? Wonderful piece of technology you missed out on, okay? And, and here's what he said. Good to the extreme is sin. Good... Taken to the extreme is sin. And then he quoted first, first Corinthians 6, 12. That's that verse where Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Do not be controlled by anything. And we had uh, an hour and a half discussion on this principle right here. The idea that, that Satan is not a creator. Only God is creator. All, all Satan can do is take the good, the very good that God has created and take it out of bounds, take it out of balance take it to the extreme. And when he does that, he creates sin, but only by distorting the good that God has given. Now, I'm going to give you some examples. And very quickly, you're going to see how this works. When you take something good and you take it to the extreme, it's going to create problems in your life. And more likely, you're going to go out of bounds in this thing called sin. Let me give you some examples. Let's put it up on the screen. Um, Attention to detail is a good thing. Some of you have jobs that require you to pay attention to detail. But if you take that skill, that ability that you have in your life, and you take it to the extreme, you add it to every area of your life, it's called perfectionism, and we don't like hanging out with perfectionists. Look at this next one. Self-esteem is a good thing. Self-esteem is having a, a healthy perspective on yourself. God has made me, and there is good in me, and I have positive things to contribute. Is that as good, right? We want to build that into our kids, a healthy self-esteem. If you have too much self-esteem, if you take that too far, 
That's called pride and conceit. That's a sin. By the way, every single one of the seven deadly sins, every sin is nothing more than a good thing that God has created taken to the extreme by Satan. Every single one. Every single one. Sex is a good thing given to a married couple taken to an extreme. It's called adultery and fornication and porn and on and on. Every single sin is nothing more than something good taken to an extreme. Intensity in a person is good taken to an extreme. It's anger. Enjoying food food is a good thing. By the way, God didn't give us food just to fuel our bodies. He gave you taste buds because he wants you to enjoy it. Right? And especially this season of the year, we're going to enjoy a lot of fun foods. But if you enjoy food too much, it's called gluttony. That's a sin. A drive to improve and make yourself better is a good thing. You take that too far to an extreme, it's called lack of contentment. Physical health, taking care of your body, is that a good thing? Absolutely. Our bodies are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are to kind of pay attention to what you put into it and the food you put into it. You're to give it a a reasonable amount of of rest. You should give your body a a reasonable amount of exercise. Taking care of your body is a good thing. But you take that too far. You take that to an extreme, and you know what that's called? It's called vanity. Vanity is nothing more than mistakenly assuming that outward health is more important than inward health. You've taken it too far. Oh, I, I, I can't go outside. I don't have makeup on. Why? Think about why you're saying that. Why do you perceive that you have to look a certain way because of what other people perceive of you? You are, you are treading in ground you don't want to be. Be very careful. A desire for profit. If you are a businessman, the book of Proverbs says you should be about that. You should have a desire for profit. You take that too far, that's called greed. Let me give you some more. I could go on and on and on. Let's put the next slide up there. Sabbath is a good thing. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You take Sabbath too far, you take that to an extreme, it's called laziness. The flip side of the coin, working hard is a good thing. God wants you to be a hard worker. You work too hard, that's called being a workaholic. And now are you out of balance in terms of your family and your church and your community? That's not good. It's not healthy. We can get into spiritual gifts. Leadership is a good thing. But if you're a leader, you take that too far. Now you become a control freak and a dictator, and that's out of bounds. That's wrong. Mercy or expressing compassion or expressing love is a good thing. You do too much of that without confronting people. It's called codependency. And now you are actually contributing to someone's unhealthy habit or unhealthy lifestyle. Sense of humor is a good thing. But those of you that have a a, a healthy, good sense of humor, if you take that too far, you're the person that can never be serious. And that's a problem. Teaching someone and correcting someone and helping them get him right on the the right path is a good thing. You take that too far, you take that to an extreme, you become judgmental and, and you're involved in just constantly critiquing and criticizing people. Everything good in your life taken to an extreme, now you are out of bounds and you are creating problems and you are likely treading into sin areas. It was very fascinating for me to to start to process this. When you think of everything that's bad in the world is nothing more than a legitimate desire that God has created in us, a legitimate good that God has given us, And yet we've distorted it, we've taken it too far, and we've taken it out of bounds. Now, the last one you see up there, I didn't give you the answer yet. Is it possible that church, church is a good thing, right? 
You're here. Church is a good thing. Is it possible for church to take that too far and to take that to an extreme? Have you ever, have you ever met a family? Maybe some of, some of you grew up in a family where you spent more time at church than you did at home with your own family. Some of us grew up in families like that. I'm going to show you a verse that I guarantee you very few of you have ever seen before, but it speaks to this last principle about church. Let me show you. It's from Ecclesiastes 7:16. Do not be overrighteous, neither be overwise. Why destroy yourself? Have you ever seen that verse before? Don't be overrighteous. Now, what, what is he? What is the, the writer of Ecclesiastes saying here? Is he saying we have to balance holiness and sinfulness? This week I'm going to church. Next week I'm partying and getting blasted. No, that's not what he's saying. What is he saying here? Don't be a spiritual know-it-all. Do you know spiritual know-it-alls? They always have a verse for you. They always can one-up you. They can trump your spiritual truth. Don't be that person. And moreover, applying it to our very principles, sometimes we can take church too far. Again, some of us grew up in families. We went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Monday night and Wednesday night Bible study and youth group on Tuesday night and choir on, and it went on and on and you didn't have a life anywhere else. Here's what I want to ask you. The good that God has given you, gifts, personality, strengths, is there any one of those that you're taking too far? Is there anyone that's bleeding into areas that it shouldn't be in? Think about it for a moment. Because every single sin in your life is nothing more than a legitimate desire that God has given you and you've taken it too far. You've taken it to the extreme and out of bounds. Principle number one, avoid extremes. Principle number two comes from this clip where Elsa is just about ready for coronation. Let's watch it. Between the two clips, the sister's parents pass away. And so it's just the two of them. And so Elsa finally gets to the age where her coronation day is upon her. And uh, she gives permission to all the people in the palace to prepare the party. And uh, by the way, you, you noticed uh, in today's movie, we, we're giving you the captions because a lot of times with musicals, it's hard to really pick out the words. But there's one sad theme when I first watch it that goes throughout this movie. And it appears in this clip for the first time here where she is preparing to be out in public and and elsa says this don't don't let other people in don't don't let them see who i really am i know what i'm going to do I, i'm going to be the good girl that you always wanted me or that i should be i'm going to conceal don't feel put on a show have you ever lived your life that way have you ever lived your life trying to put on a show, trying to not let other people see what's really going on right here on the inside? You know what? Not only is that principle unhealthy for you as an individual, it's unbiblical. God does not ask you and does not want you to live that way. The principle I want to talk to you about is choose transparency. It's this idea that if you Go about life concealing your struggles, hiding your issues, pretending that everything is okay. You will create problems in your life. You want to choose to be transparent with others. Now, three things. I don't know if I have this in your note, but three things and three ways I want you to be honest with yourself and transparent. First of all, I want you to be honest and transparent with yourself. 
Galatians chapter 6 talks about if you're the kind of person that doesn't think you have anything to contribute or should contribute, you're just fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. I have, um, I've had counselor, therapist, friends over the years, and, and I've talked to them about different techniques that they use and so on and so forth. And I remember having a conversation with one therapist and saying, I'm just curious, what's one of the major issues that you deal with with many of your clients, with many of the patients, individuals that meet with you? And, and they went on about a 15, 20-minute explanation uh, on how the biggest issue they, they were working on with their, the people they were meeting with was denial. Denial. People just weren't admitting the true issues that were going on on the inside of them. If you're the kind of person that denies issues, that denies struggles, that pretends that everything is okay, there's no way for a counselor, there's no way for a pastor, there's no way for a friend, there's no way for God to help you if you're not willing to admit, I've got an issue in this area. I've got a problem over here. I'm struggling in this in this area. Be honest with yourself. Who you are, where you've been, and where you're going. Be honest with yourself. The other thing I want to encourage you is be honest with God. Be honest with God. Do you remember how, how um, this story starts out? Not the frozen story, but this one. Genesis chapter 1, God creates. Genesis chapter 2, Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin. What's the first thing they do after they sin? They hide. Let me give you a little hint. If you find yourself wanting to hide from God, if you, want, if you find yourself wanting to keep God at an arm's distance away, if you find yourself not wanting to go to youth group, not wanting to go to Bible study, not wanting to come to church, and just kind of keep God here, more likely than not, there is something going on in your life you need to fix. And your conscience is wanting you to keep God at, a, at an arm's distance away. The flip side is what God says to us in, in, in Psalms chapter 50. Call to me in the day of your trouble. Could I encourage you to be transparent with God? Be transparent with God. T talk to him about your struggles. Talk to him about your questions. Talk to him about your issues. Be transparent with God. Here's the thing. He already knows. But casting your burdens upon him is a significant and important part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And the last one is not only being transparent with yourself and with God, but be transparent with others. Galatians chapter 6 is a, is a very famous verse, verse 2, where it says, carry each other's burdens, right? But here's the thing. You can't help me carry my burdens. You can't help me carry my problems unless I share them with you. Unless I tell you the problems that are going on in my life and my issues, you can't encourage me. You can't keep me accountable. You can't motivate me. You can't love me. You can't care for me. Because I have not been open and fully transparent with you. About three weeks ago, Sandy and I, we had a couple issues with extended family. And it was a hard week. And she was really, really struggling with it. And she was sad about what had happened. And uh, Wednesday rolled around, and it was her Bible study night. And she said, you know, I, I don't really want to go. The problem is that she's the leader, so she kind of had to go. And then she said, and, and, and for sure, I don't want to share with what's going on. I just feel like if I do, I'm just going to kind of, I won't be able to do everything else I'm supposed to do. Now, very rarely do I start a sentence with her the way I did. But this is what I said. I said, Sandy, 
can I talk to you as your pastor and not your husband? I don't know if you ever thought about that, but pastors' wives are one of the the few people in church that sometimes feel like they don't have their own pastor. It's the husband, right? Staff sometimes feel that way as well. And I said, let me talk to you as a pastor. You know what your, your small group most needs from you? They need you to model transparency. They need you to show what it looks like when you share with people, hey, I didn't have a good week. They need you to remind everybody in church that the pastor and his family is pretty much normal and just like everyone else. We got issues as well. And I said, and moreover, my gut tells me that the best thing for you is to get it off your chest and let that small group that you like, those those women in your small group, encourage you. So she said, okay, I'll think about it. And off she went. About three hours later, she came back and said, I did what you suggested. It was the best thing for our group and for me. Could I encourage you? Stop playing church. Stop playing church. Playing church is when you pretend that you don't have any issues. You pretend that your life is perfect. You pretend that your kids are perfect. We all have issues. Now, I'm not suggesting you put your issues on Facebook. As interesting as that may be for the rest of us. I'm not suggesting you share with anybody and everybody because some people you don't share with, right? Because... They can't keep their mouth shut or maybe you don't know them well enough, but there are people sitting around you that you can share with. You have people sitting around you that that will willingly help you carry your burden. And what does that look like? It just means them following up and saying, hey, how's so-and-so doing? How's that one issue going? Here, let me give you a hug. I've been praying for you. That's what it looks like, but that sure is nice to have those people in your life. Principle number one, avoid extremes. Don't let who you are, your personality, and your gifts go too far. It's going to create problems. Principle number two, choose transparency. One of the values in this church is authenticity. We don't want to pretend to be something we aren't. From the pastors to everybody in the church, we are an imperfect group of people with a bunch of fixer-uppers, every single one of us, okay, that love Jesus and is trying to go on our journey with Christ. Principle number three comes in this last clip. Let's watch it, and then we'll talk. You know, in, in, in a lot of animated films and a lot of romantic comedies, this theme of love is, is kind of throughout, right? It's, it's a part of life. And principle number one is avoid extremes. Principle number two is choose transparency. And the third principle is this idea that you need to learn to accept and express love. This is toward the end of the movie. Again, by accident, Elsa, the eldest sister, with her ice and snow powers, has hurt her sister. But this time it's more serious. This time it has to do with her heart. So this time the troll says, "Um, your life is in danger. There is ice in your heart. Only a true, an act of true love can thaw a a frozen heart. Now, love is a theme, uh, I I don't have to tell you this, that is is in this book over and over. It, It may be the number one theme in this book. I could have given you a hundred verses. Let me just give you four. Let me show you real quick. Mark chapter 12. The first commandment was, is love God with everything you got. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these, says Jesus. First Corinthians 13. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. First Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. This, that's a great verse for a family. Because in a family, you see all the garbage from everyone. 
But you've got to up your love factor because it's going to help your family go further, help your marriage go further, right? That, uh, to me, one of the most critical verses when it comes to love is what Jesus says will be the number one identifying factor for people out there to know whether you are a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. But this, everyone, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, that's the key word, if you love one another. How people perceive how we treat one another and treat others by our love, that will be the determining factor whether other people think that this faith thing is genuine in our lives. Now, there's many ways that you and I use this word love, okay? Let, let me show you real quickly. The word love is used in a sacrificial sense. That is certainly what is highlighted in Scripture. It is used in a sexual sense, right? We made love is a sexual phrase, okay? Friendship, hey, bro, I love you. That's a friendship phrase, but you use the love, the word love in a friendship way. Romantic love, right? We're in love, Right now, that can be puppy love or it can be whatever genuine love, but it's a romantic word. It can be a familiar, uh, a family word. The, the way you love family, especially knowing all all the good and all the bad, there's a commitment level there that goes beyond some of the other words. You can use word in, in a way to express compassion or mercy towards someone who's hurting. And, and in our culture, we use it kind of as a "I like it a lot," right? I love dogs, I love cats, I love the Raiders, I love the Niners, I love vanilla ice cream. Sometimes we use that word love just kind of as I like it a lot. Now, the, the movie Frozen, the act of true love, which one of these does it focus on? Romantic. Let's go find Hans, the prince, give him a kiss, and then my heart will thaw. It focuses on romance, focuses on romance. When I'm asking you to express and accept love, what this book talks about is the first one. To express sacrificially towards other people, to express care and concern for other people that is selfless and is sacrificial. That's the primary theme in this book. That's the primary theme behind what Jesus does for you and for me. Now, um, this very rarely happens when I'm looking at movies where there is such a strong biblical tie. Um, but it happened in this movie, and I, my, my guess is that very few of you realize what actually happened at the end of the movie and why it happened. Hans Christian Andersen was an author in the early 1800s. He was an author that primarily wrote children's books, and the movie Frozen... Uh, is based upon his book in the 1800s called The Snow Queen. That's what it's based upon. For years, Disney had wanted to make a movie um, based upon this book, and finally they were able to adapt it and come up with a, uh, a screenplay and so on and so forth, and that's the movie Frozen. Now, what people don't know is that Hans Christian Andersen was a devoted Christian. And many times in his books... He would write right into the storyline what he called Christ-like figures. He would create a character that exemplified and or illustrated for people what Christ does or did for you and for me. Now, Disney adapted a lot from the Snow Queen to make the movie Frozen, and they have every right to do that. But there's one scene um, originally uh, in the book by Hans Christian Andersen 
that remained in frozen. And it is a perfect illustration of what Christ did for us. Not only is there a Christ-like figure all the way back from the, to, to the Snow Queen, but there's a figure that represents Satan in the scene. And there's a figure that represents you in the scene. It's about three minutes long, about four minutes long. It's one of the last scenes of the movie. I want you to watch it. See if you can recognize who's Jesus, who's Satan, who are you, and then we'll wrap it up. Let's watch. Did you catch it? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I'm not over-spiritualizing here because it was the intent of the author. But to summarize the last little bit, according to the author... Not the director, maybe, of Frozen, but the author of the Snow Queen. Elsa represents humanity. It's even interesting, some people have pointed out. It's amazing when you start Googling this stuff, what you find out. That's, some say that uh, Hans Christian Andersen even was trying to allude to who Adam was in that person. One person who, through one mistake, affects everybody. The prince, for most of the movie, he's the good guy, right? He's the sharp guy. He's the cool, romantic, good-looking guy that brings fun to your life. And isn't that exactly what Satan does? That last scene, did, did you catch what he was doing? Lie after lie after lie after lie. And that's what Satan does. He lies to you. He lies to you about who you are. He lies to you about who God is. He lies to you about life in general. He lies to you about activities and goals. And He's a liar. But ultimately, the hero from the book, The Snow Queen, is Anna, who willingly gives her life for the sake of her sister. And Hans Christian Andersen intended Anna to be a figure and an illustration of what Christ did for you. What he did for you. Expressing love only happens when you accept love. I, I kept the last 30 seconds in. Did you see what happens to the world when the love is accepted? Winter goes away and spring comes back. And, and I don't want to over-spiritualize, but my gut is that some of us here this morning really feel like we got a frozen heart. And I'm telling you, the answer is Jesus. That's the answer. To summarize what we've learned, make sure you don't have a frozen life. These three principles right here. Be careful in your personality and in your gifts. Avoid extremes. Second of all, choose transparency. There are some very good people right around you that care about you genuinely don't feel like you've got to hide be transparent and the last one is please accept the love of Jesus Christ some of you haven't done that yet and I want to encourage you to accept what he did for you on that cross and if you have it's now your responsibility to express the love of Jesus Christ we're going to keep that slide up on the screen for a few moments but I want us to pray real quick I want you to look at that screen and I want you to pick what's the one thing that I got out of today. We're not just goofing off looking at this movie. We're really trying to sink into what Christ wants for our life. Find that one truth. 
What do you have to do? What does God want you to do? Take a moment, 15 seconds with God. Tell him. Heavenly Father, um, we do this series to be creative, to try and invite some of our friends to make it interesting and different. Um, And rarely do I bump into a movie that concludes the way it does where the author had a spiritual intent. And I'm just glad I bumped into it. Millions and millions of little girls and people around this globe are watching this movie and singing the songs. And especially that last scene. Maybe we can use it as a conversation piece with others. But more than anything else, Father, we are so incredibly grateful for the love that your son Jesus Christ expressed for us. Giving his life, willingly giving his life up for us because of our mistakes. A genuine, true act of love. Help us avoid extremes. Help us choose to be transparent and not pretend to be someone we're not perfect. Help us be the kind of people that express love. Why don't we all stand? We're going to conclude our service by expressing our love to Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.